And then you're diagnosed with cancer and you're like, gosh, I can't even, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. I can't take this bag with me. This bag isn't going to keep me warm at night. And, and my perspective and my, my, my focus shifted. And when my focus shifted and I started to learn about who I was and what made me tick, I spent time learning about my faith because that's what I could depend on. That's what, that was truth. And so I changed, I think in every single way, including eliminating people who weren't cheering me on. You know, it was a time in my life where I had to really think about what was I saying to myself? Why was my self-esteem low? What words were, were I calling my, was I calling myself? And what words were other people calling me? And when I figured that out and eliminated not only my own thoughts, terrible thoughts, but other people's, then I was able to be who I really was. And I rebuilt my self-esteem. Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways to take care of themselves and enjoy a little chocolate in the process. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. Sometimes when I listen to podcasts, I make little notes in my phone, or sometimes I'll use Evernote. Um, of quotes that I hear and things, little nuggets that I want to remember. If you do too, then get that notepad ready, whether it is physical or electronic or however you like to take notes, because there are a lot of nuggets today. My guest, Christine Handy, is here to share her personal experience of being a model for 40 years, her self-esteem and how that shifted with breast cancer, and the impact of friends during numerous health issues. Christine is a mother of two. She is a breast cancer survivor. She's an international speaker, accomplished model, and a nationally recognized humanitarian and author of the book, Walk beside me. Faced with the unimaginable, Christine had to put off her uh, amazing modeling career, which obviously has been a really long one, but she had to put that on hold when she unexpectedly had medical issues that took horrendous turns for the worse. But through these trying times, she trusted in God drew closer to God and came out healed and stronger than ever. Christine's eyes were open to a new passion in life, which was sharing her story of hope and helping others. And her inspirational journey led her to embracing her self-esteem, her devotion to God and the value of friendship. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Now, real quick, before we bring on Christine, I want to remind you of the resources tab over at gracedhealth.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-D health.com. I have all kinds of free resources for you, like a 14-day health and body image devotional, my family's favorite make-ahead protein-packed breakfast recipes, and even a 20-minute hit workout video and everything. They're all free. Go check them out. Okay, let's bring on Christine. Christine, welcome to the Grace Health Podcast. I'm super glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, this is um, this is really exciting to me because we were connected through the gift of technology, and I'm really excited to um, to hear your story, to hear how um, you know God has just intertwined Himself through that, and uh, what you've learned because I think that you have had a really um, interesting story, interesting progression, um, and particularly of careers and what you're doing. So, but what I want to do with this is start at the end. So right now, as we are sitting here in 2022, I would love to hear just what is your passion? What is that fire in your heart right now? I have a lot. I have a lot of fires. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So if we talk about work, I, would I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a model, a model of 40 years. I'm a mother of two sons. I'm a mentor of breast cancer patients. I'm on the board of two nonprofits. I'm a student at Harvard and I'm sure there's other things, but well, I'm a brand influencer on social media, which is kind of secondary in my opinion. But I think that all of those things, the generality, the focus that I have tried to do for the past six or seven years since my diagnosis with cancer is to lead, inspire, serve in any capacity that I can. And that, that is why I'm in school because I'm learning to be a better writer. I'm in Harvard's master's program. That's why I'm a motivational speaker because I speak about my story and, and the hope of my story. That's why I'm still modeling because I'm modeling the breast cancer. I'm modeling as a breast cancer survivor. I just walked in New York fashion week as with a concave chest in four different shows. That's why I'm on the board of two nonprofits because I want to serve and help and contribute and be a humanitarian. And, and that's why I, I walk my walk. And prior to all of this, I was not doing any of this. I was a socialite and I lived a very nice life, but it was not very fulfilling. And so I've lived, I live a completely different life right now in 2022 than I did even 10 years ago. Well, one thing that I love to hear is how you have, um, how you have allowed yourself to shift your passions. And one I love on your website, you know, it said you went back to Harvard at 50. Okay. And you're getting your master's. So one thing that I like to share with people sometimes is I'm in phase three of my life. So I've worked in the corporate world for world for a while. This look, look, this was not as broad scope as what you have done, but I worked in the corporate world. I did that thing. I stayed at home with my kids. And now, you know, I have for the last six ish years, I have been doing this graced health thing and speaking about um, health as it relates to balance and sustainability and, and, and faith and all of that. And so I love seeing other women who have started off in one path and pivoted to something else. And so you are going back and what are you getting your master's in? Is it um, writing or what is that MFA? I'm getting my master's degree in literature and creative writing. Okay. It's a three-year program. It's not a, I'm I'm not getting a certificate. It's a three-year program at at Harvard. Some people say, oh, you're getting the six-week certificate. I'm like, no, I'm in the master's program. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to be walking, you know, at graduation. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love I love to hear that. I love to hear that. And I don't know about you. I'm curious if your experience in learning and getting your master's um, and this phase of your life is different than when you were, oh. when you maybe went to undergrad. Because I think, Crazy. man, I could have learned so much more rather than just cramming for the test, trying to get an yes. A on it and moving on with life. 
Yeah. Well, I have a real thirst for learning. And I, I think I realized that post chemotherapy, because I had such chemo brain after I was diagnosed with cancer, that my long-term memory was fuzzy. My short-term memory was fuzzy. I would try to read a book and I couldn't get through one page and was trying to write my own book and it was hard to do that. And and so I said to myself, I need to either do puzzles, crossword puzzles, New York Times puzzle all day long, or I need to go back to school to get my mind right again. And so I started this program two years ago and it's completely shifted my brain. My brain is totally back to normal. It's thriving. And I have just this enormous thirst for learning. So it's been, it's worked out really well for me. I love that. Yeah. I have such a thirst for learning as well, but it came way too late. I felt like I said, I don't think I appreciated the opportunity. I know I didn't appreciate the opportunities I had um, back when I was in school, but let's start off. So you mentioned earlier you um, that you model and that you previously, you know, you model kind of before and BC and AC, right? Like before cancer and after cancer, but with different purpose. But I would love to hear some about like what that was like for you. I mean, I, I, I guess the word that I want to use is lifestyle, um, which can mean a lot of different things. And so I guess yeah. I would just l- open that door and let you answer that however you want. Um, yeah. But, you know, I have to imagine that being a professional model is just, it's just a different world in a lot of different ways. So can you share a little bit yeah. about that with us? Sure, I, You're right. It's different. I started when I was 11. And so at 11, it's very different than at 21 and very different at 21 than it is in 31. And now at 51, it's very different than any of those stages. So I've gone, I I feel like I I refer to myself as a lifer in the modeling world, but I didn't, I I had an eating disorder and it was, I I wouldn't say that modeling caused it, but it didn't help it. And so And so I went through that phase, but I never went through, sometimes people think of modeling as you, you do drugs and you have this wild lifestyle that never, I never did that. I I just loved the industry. I loved what I did. I took it very seriously. Brands would hire me back because I'd show up on time and many models wouldn't. And so I could see the disruption from other models. I could see the kind of insecurity from other models, but for me, it was just a job. Well, and I love how you say that you you um, took it seriously because I have to imagine that that also promoted the longevity that you've had in 40 yeah. years because you can't do anything for 40 years if you're not doing the work that needs to be done. You're right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then, and I'm skipping around a lot, I know, and uh, <laughs> but you got, so you got diagnosed with breast cancer, what, six, six or seven years ago, you said? 2012. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And let's talk a little bit about, I know this is a, a passion of yours or one of the things that you like talking about and uh, is self-esteem. And so yes. I have to imagine, now look, I'm totally projecting here, but I have to imagine when your job is to look good yes. and f- wearing clothes, wearing makeup, where, I mean, like whatever, in whatever, whatever capacity that you modeled. Um, and then that is stripped away w- from you without... Yes. With, with without any warning, without yes. any uh, permission, it didn't come up and say, "Hey, you know, is this a, is this an okay time to have breast cancer?" That would, I mean, for me, even as a believer, like that would rock my world. Um, yes. So, talk to us some about how how the the challenges not only externally from from the breast cancer, but also internally and your mindset about your self esteem uh, and and the the battle that you had to 
fight with that re- within that regard as well as the physical diagnosis? I think my self-esteem was low from a very, very young age. And it's funny because people assume that models have very high self-esteems. I, I've worked with a lot of different women, a lot of different young girls. I don't think any of us had really great self-esteems. And part of the reason why I think that is because you're constantly being rejected. Like if, if my modeling agency sends out my comp sheet, which is our basically our resume, you're getting rejected 90% of the time. So if they send it to 10 clients, you'll probably get asked by one to come back. So you have to kind of develop thick skin, but over the course of time, that can really negate your self-esteem. It did mine. And so it wasn't that I was used to disappointment or used to that negativity, but I was, but it was normal in my life, right? But I was also very dependent on what I looked like. I was also very dependent on getting weighed in at the modeling agency. I was very dependent on, I had to have a certain haircut. I had to have a certain hair color. I had to look exactly like my pictures. Exactly. And if I didn't, clients could send me home and and call my agency and say, she didn't show up with her hair colored. She didn't show up with such and such. Oh my. And so it was like all this pressure all the time. And you're living under this pressure cooker and, and don't get me wrong, it was a, a profession that I chose. And I didn't realize at the time that my self-esteem was getting chipped away over time. It wasn't until I started to have these health battles when I had to really look inside and go, who was I? I had no idea. Because all of that really mattered for me for the longest that I could ever remember was I was being praised. I was being cared for or adored because of what I looked like. That was it. And, and ultimately when my, my health was taken away and my beauty was taken away, I didn't think anybody really loved me. And it was then where I said to myself, man, you really have to build your life on faith. You really have to build your life on concrete. This is not working. You've built your life on sand. You've built your life caring so much about what other people think of you. You don't even know who you are. And so it was during the 15 months of chemotherapy when my friends kept showing up for me and I would look at them and go, why are you here? Like, why do you care about me? I don't, I can't offer you anything. For the longest time, my life was transactional. And so when I had nothing to offer them, I thought I was worth nothing. And so to go from that low self-esteem, really extreme low self-esteem to what my self-esteem now is unstoppable. It's all because of faith. It's all because of being rooted in faith and rooted in God, not rooted in materialism, not rooted in beauty, not rooted in external accolades. That's, those are the measures. My measure is with God. If if I'm at the end of the day, when I go to bed, if I'm good with God, I'm good. If I'm, if I have a bunch of likes on social media, I don't care. That's not my measure. You know, it's funny when you talk about the so, the likes on social media, the word that comes to mind for me is fleeting, which also goes back to the scripture that says beauty is fleeting. And I mean, the, exactly. oh, those little things come in, you know, they come in, they come out. And, you know, it's interesting for me to hear you talk about how you were, you didn't use this word, but I think surprised at your friends who kept showing up when you felt like you had nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of... um parallels of the of the love that your friends showed you of just showing up and it might have maybe I, I mean I'm just wondering if it had to be that you were at that point for you to be able to receive that love for them and Definitely. then of course 
we we also will experience that from God when we're going through such difficult times. I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't, I, I hear all the time. It's like you grow closer. I mean, so many of us will grow closer to God. Not, not when everything's wonderful and pretty right. <laughs> and no, shiny. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But when, but when we're, but when we're so, you know, broken either, either emotionally or relationally or, or physically. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or all of the above. So yeah. you, you've mentioned a couple times um, about, an eating disorder. Do you mind if I ask a couple questions about that? Yeah. Talk to us or talk to me some about the healing process that you said the eating disorder was not caused by your job and caused by modeling, but it certainly wasn't helpful. And as someone who's never been in that, been in that industry, you know, you hear rumors and, you know, you spoke to some of them, but how do you heal yourself in an industry, heal yourself from an eating disorder when you're in an industry that is so reliant. I mean, at the end of the day, it's so reliant on your looks oh, and yeah. quite honestly about the, the food that you consume and how much you consume. I mean, that that you have to have in order to get that call back, like you said. How is that possible? Yeah. I mean, modeling is 100% dependent on what you look like. That's it. It's about what you weigh. It's about what you measure. It's about your face. It's about your hair. It's about your nails. It's about your body type. 100%. Even if you're a plus size model, it's dependent on what you weigh, your measurements. It's the industry. I had an eating disorder from 11 to 21. Well, probably not 11, probably 13 to 21. And the only way that I kicked it was because I finally came home from college and I said to my parents, this is now controlling me. I'm not in control of it anymore. And so I need help. Like really I need, I can't help myself anymore. And so they put me in hospital and I was in a hospital for 30 days. And when I got out of the hospital, I, it wasn't perfect for a while, but I was relatively healed and I still modeled after that. But I got to a point where the eating disorder was controlling me and I had no control over it. And that's when I was like, I need help. I surrender. And being in the hospital for me, pretty much cured it. I needed wow. that time. So yeah. that was a really productive and, and beneficial yes. time for you. Yes. I needed to be in a safe um, environment where other people were just like me. Other people were struggling with the th- same things. And I think for me, it was stemmed from a lack of self-esteem for sure. It stemmed from pressure in the modeling industry. And it also stemmed from a lack of control. I thought if I can control what goes in my body and what comes out of my body, right? Anorexia and bulimia, then I'm in control of my life when I felt out of control. And so it was a control issue for me. Yeah. And I have to imagine that that's a real strong feeling of, of being out of control when so much of your trajectory is decided by other people. It's not like you can go out and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to work hard and all of that. It's, it's other people saying, we will allow you to do that. And we, you can do that. Are you weigh enough, to, you know, the right amount or <laughs> whatever that is. And it's one thing to just buckle up and go for it. But if you're, if uh, you don't have full control over that, I can see how that would, um, how that would take over for sure. For sure. Well, thank you for, Thank you for sharing that. I know that some of my uh, community has definitely had children who have 
um, struggled with that. And, you know, I love that we are talking more just in general about mental health. Um, and I think that we're starting to talk more about eating disorders and, but there's still a lot of shame, self-inflicted shame and, and, and from mothers and from, um, people who are afflicted with it. And, you know, like, you know, it's a disease, it's a disease. And, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it can and definitely. I, I also think that shame, shame doesn't come from the Lord. Shame comes from Satan. There is Absolutely. no shame in our, that, in faith. Yes. Amen to that. Amen to that. I don't, okay, I, so, I don't have any shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And I'm not saying you should, I'm just saying. That no, there no, 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 no. I know you're not. I know you're not. I definitely know you're not. <laughs> but I did feel shame for much of my life. So I know exactly what you were saying. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think, and I and I try to teach my kids that. I try to say to them, if you feel shame in certain areas of your life, that's Satan controlling you, not God. That's so true. That is so true. There is no, yeah, that is not from the Lord. Yeah, I got to sit in that for just a second. (laughs) (laughs) While you sit in that, let me talk a little bit about modeling right now. (laughs) Sure. Because because it's different. Like now. I just walked in New York Fashion Week for four different brands. I'm, I just turned 52. So I, when I walked, I was 51 years old and I have a concave chest from breast cancer. And there were other girls who were, I mean, there were the normal looking 18 year old girls there that were modeling with me, but there were, there was one girl that was, had Down syndrome. That was the first girl that ever has walked in New York Fashion Week is with Down syndrome. And there were a couple plus size models. And so the world is becoming more inclusive. The world is becoming more adaptable to the differences, right? Even in the modeling industry. And so it was a privilege to be there working like that because I know I inspired many, many, many women who have concave chests or who've lost their breasts to breast cancer. And I can be on the runway in a fitted tight dress showcasing that I have no breasts and, and people are applauding that. And so I think that the modeling industry is shifting and I'm really excited about that. Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful. I'm really glad to hear that too, because in my world, you know, one of the things with social media is you can curate, right? And so I have curated a feed full of body positive, diverse representation, like that is who I want to be surrounded by. And um, and I know, and I see it and and I see it in, um, I see it in the the businesses that I support, like, I don't know if you're familiar with the company Somersault, but they have all different abilities. They have, um, you know, I mean like different skin colors, different, different, um, sizes. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm totally giving my business to people, you know, to the companies that are doing that. But I also, I have to imagine not only is that a hard mindset shift for them, but the other thing too, that, and correct me if I'm wrong. And then is, you know, they'll have what the, the sample sizes. So what I have heard too, is sometimes it wasn't necessarily that you, you just had to fit in the sample size, which was like right. a size zero. And if you didn't, or whatever it was, and if you didn't fit in the sample size, then you couldn't do it. And so there was that pressure as well. And so maybe, right. and I have to imagine that's a big investment for the company is to say like, well, we're now going to have four different sample sizes or yes. I, I don't, am I, am I all, am I on the track yeah. here? I, or, when, I, when I was 21, the sample size was a two. And now the sample size is a six. So it, it's changed. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a zero or a two. So I'm, I don't fit the sample size anymore. I'm smaller and that's not good or bad. It just is what it is. They have, sure. it's just changed. And actually Somersault, I've ta- I've been talking to Somersault about 
doing a collaboration with them for um, a bikini top for breast cancer survivors who have lost their chest. So we've, I've actually been talking to them for about eight months and they are very inclusive. It's, it's an amazing company. It really is. It really is. I love them and their products so much. I really hope that works out for you, but I love their stuff so much that like when I look and I'm like, well, like that's the only place that I want to buy my one piece swimsuits from because <laughs> I've I've gotten to the point that that's all I wear now is one piece. Right. But I just I just think that they do they're doing great things, doing yes. great things. I love that. Okay, so let's talk some about your breast cancer journey. You know, I have I've had conversations with people, and I feel like it getting diagnosed with cancer and moving through that is a very unique, it's a unique journey, right? Like it's not the same for everyone. So I'm curious, what are some of the, we'll just call them lessons or experiences that you learned throughout your journey that you might not have had the opportunity to have had you not been in that really difficult space? You know, that it's a great question. It's open-ended and I have a lot of answers for it. I, since my diagnosis, I've gone through a divorce. So I've changed the people that I listen to for one. I have changed pretty much everything that I do on a day-to-day basis. Meaning I used to really gravitate towards shopping to fill my time. I used to really gravitate towards going to lunch with my friends and having a glass of wine. And since my diagnosis, I don't have time for that anymore. I'm like, I'm on a mission to have a purpose in life. I'm using my story for other people to help them show them what not to do versus what to do. When I was dependent on materialism, when I was dependent on living a life of a social life, there's nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't, it wasn't feeding me. And when I was diagnosed with cancer and I, one, my beauty was stripped away and I had to be stuck for 15 months in chemotherapy. Like I had no life. I was in physical pain. I was in emotional pain. I was questioning my faith. I was questioning my life, you know, what I had done with my life. And when you go through 15 months of chemotherapy, it's a lot of alone time. Although I had great friends and great family show up for me, I was laying on my bathroom floor for too many nights. Mm-hmm. And, and that emotional pain and that emotional feel, fear can be very crippling. And so, but I decided during that 15 months of chemotherapy, not right away, but within like the first two months, I decided that I was going to figure out who I was and I was going to spend time in scripture and I was going to spend time with people asking what, what purpose do you have in life? Like, teach me, what have you done? And, and I started to find out what made me tick. I started to figure out like, what did I really want to do? I didn't know if I was going to survive chemotherapy. I didn't know if I was going to live. I didn't know if cancer was going to come back. I didn't know if I was ever going to be cancer free. But what I figured out was I couldn't meditate on the outcome. What I needed to meditate on was today. I needed to meditate on the grace of God today. I needed to meditate on showing courage, not only for myself, but for the people around me, for my kids. And, and when I was stuck in that fear of there's not enough, right? Like in the modeling world, there's never enough jobs. Like when I was a guest model, I wanted to be more. Or when I was, when I went to buy a Prada bag and I was like, I don't want a Prada bag. I want a Louis Vuitton bag. Or there was, it, it was that mentality of never enough, right? And then you're diagnosed with cancer and you're like, gosh, I can't even, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. I can't take this bag with me. This bag isn't going to keep me warm at night. And, and my perspective and my, my, 
my focus shifted. And when my focus shifted and I started to learn about who I was and what made me tick, I spent time learning about my faith because that's what I could depend on. That's what, that was truth. And so I changed, I think, in every single way, including eliminating people who weren't cheering me on. You know, it was a time in my life where I had to really think about what was I saying to myself? Why was my self-esteem low? What words were, were I calling my, was I calling myself? And what words were other people calling me? And when I figured that out and eliminated not only my own thoughts, terrible thoughts, but other people's, then I was able to be who I really was. And I rebuilt my self-esteem. You talk about the words that you were saying to yourself and, and that others were saying to you. I assume, or did you find that those were more powerful than you expected? You know, they were, they were killing me. Those thoughts were killing me. My thoughts were killing me. The people in my life, not all of them, just a few, the way they were speaking to me, what words they were speaking into me were destroying me. Just first of all, it destroyed my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot to do with that, right? Because I was able, I was listening to them and I was putting their opinion of me before my own. I had a doctor bully me so badly. I have a fused arm. I'm, I'm handicapped in my right arm because of him. He bullied me. He called me a hysterical housewife. I never shed a tear in his office. He labeled me. He got rid of me. He, he just, he, he misdiagnosed me. He, he really, he changed the trajectory of my life. I've never been in, in a, I've never had a day without pain in 10 years because of that man. And I was listening to him like he was God, like he was the power. He was the authority. And I look back on that time and I'm like, God was the authority. I had my my self-worth. I had no self-worth back then. And if I had self-worth, I would have seen another doctor and I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. I'm not blaming myself. He's the one that went to medical school. But I'm also not blaming him because there's no blame. Like God will figure it out. Vengeance is not mine. But I don't want to be that person that allowed that man to bully me. I want to be different than that. But that's a lot of work. It you know, is. and people and then people look at me and they say, Well, you're you have this unstoppable self-esteem. You'll walk in New York Fashion Week and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's taken me a long time. It's not easy. And I don't want anybody to listen to this and think it is. I practice daily. What thoughts am I saying to myself? What am I feeding myself emotionally? What am I watching? I'm not going to, I'm not turning on e-news ever again. I'm not going to meditate on celebrities. I used to, I'm not going to watch Bravo TV and, and, and feel like, oh, I wish I was a housewife that, that I I reject that, but I am going to listen to podcasts that are uplifting. I'm going to listen to people's stories because storytelling is inclusive And so I'm going to do these things to nurture my soul. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, my measure is with God. It's not of this world. Amen. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, that's so true. And I think that that's such great wisdom for all of us, whether or not we are dealing with our own health battles or not. I mean, just, just protecting what we see, protecting our intake, right? Our, you know, what goes in and we gar- I, I used to c- tell my kids, I'm like garbage in garbage out. And that you can say that in a lot of ways. Like if it's yeah. garbage visually, then yeah. you're going to be, you know, garbage out. There's garbage. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of different ways. Like you eat, you eat garbage, uh, you know, yes. garbage quality food. And, you know, yeah. let's, let's be honest, you know, garbage out that way too. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, that's that's really powerful. So I'm curious what you would say to either Christine, who's newly diagnosed, mm-hmm. or your friend calls you up and says, Christine, it happened, to, you know, I, I've, I, I have cancer. And maybe it's not breast cancer, maybe it's a different cancer, um, or just whatever their own battle is. W- what kind of words of, of encouragement or wisdom? Uh, or, or something that totally unexpected would you have for them? Well, that's happened, actually. Not only was I what diagnosed, one of my best friends was diagnosed with cancer, a, an untreatable cancer, actually, after I was diagnosed. Oh. And I think that for me, I need to look at myself as like a child. I have a picture of myself as a child in my living room and also in my bathroom. And I look at, whenever I go by that picture, I say to that little girl, I'm going to protect you. Because when I was diagnosed, I wasn't protecting myself. I kind of quit on myself because I just didn't have the self-esteem. I didn't have the self-love that I needed. And so what I would tell somebody who's diagnosed, you have to work on yourself. You have to work on what do you have faith in? If it's this world, that's quicksand. If it's social media, that's, that's quicker sand. But if you put your time, you put your focus on faith and the word and scripture and, you know, being surrounded by people that are going to cheer you on, that's sustaining. That will sustain you. They will be the hands and the feet of the Lord until you're able to sustain yourself. But if you put your focus on the outcome, which nobody knows, we have no control over that. And so you say, let go and let God, right? And Mm -hmm. surrender. I would constantly be saying to myself, just surrender. I can't control this, but we want to control it. And, And this world teaches us that we can control things. We have no control. I have no idea if I'm going to get cancer back tomorrow, but I'm not going to fear that because it's written in the Bible 365 times. Do not fear. Why is that? For every single day, God's grace is enough. And so I would pour into somebody with faith. I would pour into them with scriptures. And there's a lot of people that won't listen to that, but I will quickly remind them. But if you put your faith into this world, it will always disappoint you. If you put your measure into stuff that can be taken away, that stuff will be taken away at some point. So pick your measure. Oh, that's good. Pick your measure. Yeah. What was your faith like? You know, you're talking a lot about your faith now and how that has really changed, it sounds like. I'm yeah. curious what it was like before cancer. And and there, I know that there were 40-something years before that. So pick a time anytime, um, or maybe there's a progression, but it's, I'm, what I'm hearing is a a transformation and a, a a growing and a deepening of your faith through the cancer and through the health issues. Well, I think that most people will go through some sort of trauma in their life, unfortunately. And what we cling to will depend on how we get through it. And so when I was raised I, there was a lot of fear involved for me. There was a lot of shame, but I didn't know that, right? I mean, you're a child and this is what you're learning and this is what your parents do. And so you just assume that's what you should do. And so I started to question my faith in college and I ultimately changed to being more, I I would classify myself as Christian. And I believed in God. My friends would invite me to Bible studies, but my yoga class was more important than Bible studies. All of a sudden, my friends who were totally focused on their faith, they were the ones that were showing up for me when I had cancer and other illnesses. And they were saying, okay, now you're going to listen? And I was like, 
I'll take any advice. Just, just feed me, feed my soul. And they would say to me, okay, you're our Bible study right now. And I would listen. And I wanted to learn at that point. I had a thirst for learning. I wish I had done it before, but I can't, there was no, there's no condemnation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that thirst for learning, they used to say to me all the time, they're like, you're the best student because you believe everything we're saying about the Bible, because some of it can seem ridiculous. Right. But I had such a thirst for learning. But when I was faced with cancer and other illnesses, I went headfirst and diving into it because I was desperate. I was desperate for hope. And so the only hope that I could find was in the Lord. And that became sustaining to me, even in and on nights when I ended up in the hospital because chemotherapy was so brutal to my body and, and, and it was ravaging my body, you know, I end up in the ER and I wasn't sure I was going to wake up the next morning. I had this peace about me because I would say to God, please keep me on this earth so that I can raise my children. But if you take me, I'm okay because you're in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of surrendering, I never did that for 42 years. I was so fixated on controlling my life, controlling my family, controlling my thoughts, controlling my activities, controlling everything around me, which by the way, didn't do any good. This is really convicting me too about, you know, cause I love how I'm, I definitely, so my part of, this is part of my own just little challenge that it might be that you can, I don't know if you can relate to it or not, but part of my challenge is like what I am doing right now is, is, totally God ordained. I never expected to be communicating. I I never expected to write a book. I never, I mean, I didn't even know what a podcast podcast was. I mean, (laughs) none of this business until God kind of pulled me in. And the the very short of the story is he said, you're thinking more about your food and how you're going to exercise than you are about me. And, and that kind of started a progression of events to where I am now. And one thing that I have, uh, I was just having a, a talk or a conversation with a girlfriend of mine at lunch the other day. And I said, sometimes I get so focused on doing what God is wanting me to do that I forget or I don't invest the time to be spending time with him. And I'm real. So uh, what you're saying here is just really convicting me that like, I have got to (laughs) just chill out about it and really get back to the space that I was in when he's kind of started moving my heart into doing what I'm doing now, which the space that I was in was I was sitting outside, just spending still time with him. Just be still, be still, be still and listening. Still to him. That I'm God. Yeah. But you know yeah. what, you're, what you're doing is you're providing a platform for other people to be ignited with greater faith. That's what you're doing. That's incredible. It, well, thank you. However, well, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the, the, the foundation of, I'm not that I'm losing my faith. I mean, I'm, I'm not absolutely not, but I don't want to lose sight of how I got here and the really important part, because I think, you know, and I've heard people in ministry talk about this all the time. They're like, Oh, well, I'm doing the Lord's work. And so, you know, but, right. but are you spending time with the Lord? Right. <laughs> there's there's okay, a so, very big difference. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. Again, I mean, we all go through seasons of our life where we're spending more time with the Lord and, or maybe we're more challenged, which makes us spend more time with the Lord. And, and I think that's part of the reason why, you know, we do sometimes have these issues because God's like, no, no, no. Hello. I'm right over here. And so, you know, we can be in conversation with somebody and it can be a reminder. And we go back to that. I like to have conversations with God all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I argue with God. <laughs> I negotiate with God. And of course it never really works out that well, but I, I just want to be in constant conversation. And so yeah. that's, 
that's comfort to me. When I was in constant conversation in the modeling world or in society or with my ex-husband or with friends or whomever, it wasn't really serving me. But being in constant conversation with God is, is hope, is faith, is, is, is a peace that I never imagined. And I'm, I'm, I live in chronic pain. I live in chronic pain. I had a very terrible diagnosis of cancer where somebody said to me, this is your chance of survival. I could meditate on that number all day long. Instead, I'm having conversations with God going, okay, how can I serve? How can you sustain me? You know, I know that there's somebody out there for me. You know, I'm going to wait for you to bring that person. You know, it's like these conversations are peaceful versus like going on a dating. There's nothing wrong with dating apps, but I'm saying like versus going on a dating app and going, okay, I'm going to pick this, 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 and this. Instead, I'm like, okay, God, put them right in front of me. Plant them right here. And Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That constant conversation. Um, So good. So good. Okay. Now, you have written a novel that (laughs) by judging the Amazon or by judging the description, it sounds eerily (laughs) similar (laughs) to to your story, (laughs) but it is a novel. So I know that you were able to do it. It's, you know, it is fiction. Tell us some about your novel because this will be airing in May. And I'm strategically placing this because May is when a lot of us go on vacations and and five bucks. And we want to read something and, and I have a really smart community and, and they love learning new things. And, um, so anyway, yeah, I would love for you to share, to share some about your book. So my book is called walk beside me and it is, it has been a national bestseller for six years. Um, it's very juicy. It's about, it's very vulnerable. It's a fictional depiction of my life. Really the only things that we changed were the cities and the names and it, it's actually being in production to become a film called Willow, the feature film. So there's been a screenplay written based on my book and I sold the rights to my book a few years ago, things like that. So it's a, it's, it's a novel about the life I lived prior to cancer. You don't even get to cancer until page, page 200. It's, it's a, it's a heartbreaking story, but it's filled with faith. It's filled with scriptures. It's filled with life's lessons. It's filled with friendship. It's, and the end is hopeful. You know, in the end, you don't really know what happens. I'm, I'm writing my second book, which is another reason why I'm going to Harvard because I'm learning how to be a better writer. But it's, it's, a great, it's a great story. And it's a sad story, but it's a great story. And, and by the way, the greatest gift we can give somebody is storytelling because then they don't feel so alone in their pain. That is so true. I've been working on developing as a public speaker. And that is one thing that all the coaches will say is like, people will remember the stories. And I think about that. Like I think about the lessons that I learned at church. I think about the stories that the pastor shares and then the lesson associated with it. But if he just starts spitting off a lot of of facts and knowledge, then it's like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) But the stories are what connect us. Uh, with other people. And I love that you have been able to do that in a way through this novel and through this book. And I just think that this is going to be a really great, uh, a great one for people to read wherever they are during their summer months. (laughs) I love it. It's, it's a, yeah, it's very, I I feel very lucky that I was able to, to write it and that people are, it's helped a lot of people. Well, congratulations on that. I didn't realize that, that it it was, it is progressing beyond the book. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, 
It's funny when I published the book, because this is a faith-based podcast, I, my publisher said to me, you know, you're going to have less readers because it's filled with scriptures. And I said, well, that is part of my story. And so if God wants this book out, he'll get it out. If he doesn't, it won't go out. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting. I, I use um, my book is faith-based and I use scriptures and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and some of the greatest compliments that I've received are from people like, I have a girlfriend who read it and really liked it. And then her mother-in-law was talking about it. Her mother-in-law is Hindu. And she uh-huh. was like, oh, here, I want you to read this. And I asked her later, I was like, do you not think that? I was like, there's a lot of Jesus-y stuff in there. And she's like, no, I think it'll be good. So I'm like, okay, this is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, I, I like that it, it, it reaches a broader audience than yes. I expected it to, which I think is what I hear you saying. So congratulations on that. Congratulations. Okay. So I have two more questions uh, that I ask all of my guests. The first, uh, they are very different questions. The first is I am fascinated by tattoos because I have found that when people choose to have permanent body art, they often have a story behind it. Not always. (laughs) I've gotten some fun answers. Not always, but I was wondering, and I don't have any, I was wondering if you had any, if you would be willing to share what it is and if you have a meaning behind it. And if you don't, if you had to get one, what would it be and where would it go? I actually, I don't have any tattoos, but I thought about getting a tattoo. I said to myself, if if I get through chemotherapy, I'm going to put on my foot, walk with me, like God, walk with me. And so like on my foot, like on the top of my foot and I live in Miami. So I'm in sandals all the time. I would see it all the time. Because I would want that constant reminder of God's walking with you. Don't worry about other people walking with you. God's walking with you. I didn't end up doing it because I have two, at the time I had, you know, younger sons and I didn't want them to like starting getting tattoos and things like that, which by the way, if they do, they do fine. Um, But if I had to get one or if I maybe had the courage to do it, I would put walk with me on my foot. Not on the t- bottom of my foot, on the top of my foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, where you can see it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, and then the second one is, do you have a meaningful Bible verse that you would like to share with my community? I do. It's Isaiah 55. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters and you have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without, mil- without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what is not satisfied. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. When I was pouring my life into materialism and things and stuff, I was empty. But when I poured my life into faith, I was full. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, Christine, tell everybody how they can connect with you and where to get the book. I, I kind of push people to get it on Amazon just because I think it's easy, but mm-hmm. it's sold at Barnes and Noble and Indie Books and a lot of places. You could go to my website. You can, they'll put you into a place you can buy it. Um, so my, most of my social media is Christine Handy one, like on Instagram, it's Christine Handy one on Twitter. It's Christine Handy one. And my website is www.christinehandy. And then I, yeah, I mean, I think if you just put in Christine Handy, if you Google it, it's, I'm kind of out there. <laughs> you're there. You're there. Well, and we'll put all of that in the show notes, but just sometimes with, when you know, people are, I don't know yeah. about you, but when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, I'm doing any, everything and everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm driving right, right, or I'm right, walking right, right. or you know, whatever. <laughs> so that way That's they can true. kind of remember that. Yeah. 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 And we will definitely put all of that um, in yeah. the show notes. Well, I 
I am so grateful that we were connected. I thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. You know, this, there was some, definitely some, you have experienced a lot of hard times and boy, you know, what a great example you are of being, you know, faith in the storm and, and just pouring your uh, relationship and your thoughts into, um, into the Lord and just the reaping the rewards from that. So thank you for, thank you for coming on and sharing all of that today. Thank you for having me. Since recording this, I've had the chance to read Christine's book, Walk Beside Me. And wow, she wasn't kidding. The physical issues she has overcome are truly incredible. And there are so many other things that she uh, really conquered beyond breast cancer, if you can believe it or not. You'll have to read it and get it for yourself so you can see what I'm talking about. And like I said early in the conversation, I'm intentionally dropping this episode at the beginning of reading season, otherwise known as summer, as some call it. So uh, go add it to your want to read list on Goodreads if you are on Goodreads or making your list, however that is, but make sure that you add that to your summer reading list. The Grace Health Podcast is a free offering from me to you, and I hope you find it valuable. If you do, can you take just a few minutes to rate and review this show or share it with someone you think will find value in it as well? This is really meaningful to me, and it helps spread the word and lets others know that it is valuable and impactful to others. Each episode, I try to leave you with one simple thing to remember from our long conversation. This week's is a little nugget that I pulled out as we were going along. Surround yourself with uplifting friends who will walk beside you no matter what. And be the friend who will walk beside someone no matter what. I admit I haven't always been that kind of friend, but after this conversation, I'm convicted to walk beside my friends better and more deeply, not only in the fun times, but also in the times when they need someone to hold them. Okay, that's all for today. Go out there and have a graced day.